the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and award-winning veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. We're delighted to have you with us. And we are going to be taking up a really interesting topic. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is with us. Carol, by the way, holds a master's degree in social gerontology, 30 years experience in the field. She's the co-chair of the Rays National Council on Caregiving and executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And Carol, you just spent a week on your dad's old farm in Wisconsin. So you must really resonate with the topic we're going to be taking up. Well, one of the things that's exciting now is the, you know, the different philosophies. It, it used to be such a heavy medical model of care and, and we just didn't have options. Um, and so I'm always interested, uh, in, you know, the, the creative side, um, of, of getting older, of the creative side of providing care. I mean, we've just got so much potential and we're sudden, and we're finally realizing it that the medical model is not the model. And we're going to be talking about Omega Farm Caregiving for Dementia. Martha McPhee, our special guest, author of the novels An Elegant Woman, Bright Angel Time, Gorgeous Lies, America, and Dear Money, recipient of a National Endowment for the Arts grant and a fellowship from the John Simon Guggenheim Foundation. Gorgeous Lives was a finalist for the National Book Award. And uh, Martha McPhee teaches fiction at a wonderful institution, Hofstra University, and she lives in New York City. And, and Martha, I was just enthralled by an article I read about farming and dementia, using that as a way uh, to interact with people who may be struggling with dementia. Uh, how did you get into it and talk to us about it? Oh, wow. So you read an article about farming and dementia? That sounds, you know, so very interesting. Um, I got into this because my mother has advanced dementia. And during the pandemic, I returned home to take care of her. I have four sisters, but we were all spread out and I was closest. I was most proximate. So I went home to take care of my mom and it was also returning to my childhood home. And I, uh, my mom wasn't as far gone as she is now, but it did become my responsibility along with a, a woman that we had living with us. But I was there to, it, it took two people. And I also took my children and my husband. And in order to pass the time and, and sort of understand ourselves better and make something enjoyable for ourselves, we started uh, growing things out there and we started gardening and uh, raising chickens and growing onions and other things. And it became a great anecdote for that. But as I, as the pandemic went on, we thought we would only be there 
a few weeks, a few months, but I was there for a year and a half. Um, I became involved in my mother's forest. And that's where the this, the metaphor started um, to really resonate, uh, growing these trees and trying to help nurture something that was not doing so well. She, she has a forest that's being attacked by invasive species and um, an overpopulation of deer. And so it was this, this great sort of parallel project, taking care of my mom and taking care of this forest. And it ended up feeding me in many ways. It also caused me some pain because I had to return to memories from childhood just by being at home again. Um, but it, it, it's a great topic. And as you say, I have um, me, many people in my family were, were writers, we're photographers, we live creative lives. And we have had to come up with creative solutions um, to take care of my mom in this um, terrible situation. Well, you know, I as you were talking, I was recalling, and maybe, Ron, that's what you were looking at, that in Scandinavia, where they started with a dementia village, which was a right. small, like a town, the second iteration of that was actually a farm uh, oh. where people who had lived rural lives could come onto an enclosed, safe, farm-like area and help feed the chickens and help plant the seeds and water the plants and do more rural activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just the the act of being busy, my mother uh, had dementia, and, and just understanding that there are activities, whether actually they did them or not uh, during their lifetimes, but that resonate, that feel good, um, that is, you know, where TV doesn't make sense anymore and reading books isn't possible anymore, um, the doing can be a, a tremendous gift uh, to someone with dementia. It's it's very true. And we had a wonderful nurse practitioner who recommended that we keep her busy in ways that that made sense. And my mother absolutely loved to garden. So originally I thought, oh, we'll just go down to the garden and and she'll she'll weed and we'll just be there. But she she was somehow really scared of it. Um, so that that didn't work, unfortunately, earlier on. It would now nothing would work because she's basically can't move. Um, but but she discovered that she loved to color. And initially she would color in coloring books, but she'd also draw these really wild um uh, sketches of it may like I, I want to say monsters, but they weren't. They were more magical than mon- they weren't scary, but they were weird. And um, that occupied her. And she also loved to iron. So when it was still safe for her to do that and sweep, she could sweep for hours. And busy being busy was the key at that stage. But what's weird and so beguiling about dementia is that you settle into one stage and you're okay with it. And then you take a step down and you get into this next stage that has a whole new set of parameters and disappointments and sorrows and sadness. And I, 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 I just find myself astonished by how many different stages there are and how painful it we'll can continue be. This, we'll continue the discussion in just a moment, but I want to let folks know who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and our special guest, Martha McPhee, an author of a number of award-winning books, talking about her experiences with her mom and dementia. 
and the interaction with the forest, with farming, and with the life her mom used to know and then got back into. What did you learn about yourself, Martha, as you dug into all of this? That I'm tenacious. <laughs> I think maybe I already knew that, but then I saw it in practice that I love to learn. So for me, going home into the situation, which is sort of sad on some levels, I realized somewhere, even if it was unconscious at first, that I had to find a way to make it enjoyable for myself. And it, I'm back in my life in New York City, but I go to my mother all the time. And it is a sad situation. I am losing her inch by inch, and it's over a long stretch of time. So you have to do something positive. And I, I realize I, I feel very good in that, that I've, I've found ways to make the experience positive, um, whether it is through gardening or understanding my limits. It can be a very frustrating illness, especially earlier on when they're still, they still have more agency. Um, but, but understanding and accepting, um, you know, myself and um, knowing that my curiosity is is large and there's a lot that you can do to exercise that. Well, I, I like the I, I like the word curiosity because I think um, a lot of caregivers get so much in a routine, which routine is important with someone with dementia, but a strict routine where the caregiver loses interest, loses curiosity. I mean, that's where um, you can find or ask yourself, you know, is am I taking care of myself? Is there some better way to do this? What would make me happy and her happy at the same time as opposed to just her happy? Right. No, I think that's what I was getting at and, and, and now can see through your comment um, is that what I learned was how I had to take care of myself because otherwise I would go crazy. It is hard work. And so many people out there in this country are are, are burdened um, with the responsibility. You read about it almost every day in the in the in the newspaper. And so learning that balance and that sense of how do how do I do something joyous for myself um, in the midst of this reality? Um, but I also feel very grateful that I get to help my mother essentially die, that I'm in a position to be close to her and that I'm not afraid. And um, that gives me a sense of strength and resilience. You're a writer and what writers do is write. Uh, are you writing about your experiences with your mom? Well, Omega Farm is really all about that. So, you know, that was a surprise. I had not intended to write. It was not, I'm a novelist and this is a memoir. And I hadn't thought that I would do it, but I became so fascinated with the trees that I um, I wanted to write about them. And I sold that on proposal. And, um, you know, it was really about helping a forest regenerate, helping, you know, an understory um heal itself and create itself. And um, and when I started to write the book, I found myself writing so much about my mom and my childhood. So the two sort of braided together um, as I told that story. But there's probably more to write, but I haven't understood what that is right now. I do think that the responsibility of the caregiver, the, the paid caregiver, not just the child of who's caregiving, but the person, the people in 
hospitals or the people in, you know, um, homes for the elderly, they, I would love to write about them someday because it is a really, really challenging job. And so much is um, put on them. So much is, um, is, is, there's so much of of the loss that gets played out on the caregiver. I think it's a a fascinating, beautiful, and really underappreciated role. And underpaid. Oh, and underpaid. (laughs) Yes. Stay with us. We're going to come right back to you. You're listening, if you've just joined us, to Caregiver SOS on air. We're talking about the incredible role that Martha McPhee has been playing in her mom's journey with dementia. Omega Farm, her book, would tell you how to get a hold of it, by the way. And we're talking about caregiving, dementia, and farming. What an interesting mix. Carol Zorniel, our co-host, is with us. I'm Ron Aaron, and our guest, Martha McPhee. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the Lone Rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver, and most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, we try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zorniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friend. Thank you so much for being with us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. We're talking with Martha McPhee. She is an author. She's a writer. She's a professor at Hofstra University, talking about her experience as a caregiver for her mom and the journey with dementia. And Carol, you had a question. Well, Martha, when you were talking about returning back to your childhood home, I thought I heard within that, you know, that there were there were things that you carried with you from childhood that maybe were not positive. And, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm curious because a lot of us, I mean, that's when we take over as caregivers, it's not like we become new people. We carry all the baggage from those family relationships with us. And I'm curious if your time on the farm has given you either tools to help work through that or changed your perspective on some of the things you thought um, as a child and brought with you into this this situation? So, yeah, um, you know, going home again in some ways is a fantasy. We, it, it seems like a lot of people, you know, have the fantasy, if not the reality of that return home. And I often have a question and that when I'm writing a book, and that was the question, what, what is it like to go home again? Can you even go home again? What does that even mean? And when I was there, I found myself almost immediately trying to fix things, a drain that was misdirected in some handyman's, you know, bad job. And, um, and I, and I had to, you know, figure out how to fix it. And I did. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I was, 
eradicating a grove of bamboo that was almost two acres in size. And I was out there with a pickaxe and going at this bamboo. And um, and I wondered, you know, what am I doing this for? And that's when I realized that there was this stuff from the past that was still haunting me and that was really coming alive being on this farm again, where I grew up as a child. Now, my family is is a big one. My parents divorced when I was four. My mother got together with a Texan um, who was had been a, a Jesuit, studied to be a Jesuit priest, uh, left to become a Gestalt therapist, married, divorced, had five kids. My mom had four kids. There were 10 kids up on the farm together. Nobody was minding the shop. Nobody was paying attention. My stepfather had had a a temper. He was, you know, he was a complicated man, a frustrated man. And all of this stuff started bubbling to the surface again. And I I realized that these little efforts of fixing the drain or the bamboo or eventually the forest were attempts to um, solve some something from the past, trying to fix it. And in fact, in some in many ways, um, stories about my family are in all of the five novels that you mentioned at the start of the show. I have been writing about this my entire life, trying to understand my family, trying to put it back together again. And part of the journey was realizing that the only thing I had to fix was myself. I didn't need to fix all this other stuff. And um, so, so that, yeah, that was that was an epiphany. You saved a lot of money on therapy if you could realize that on your own. <laughs> Oh, well, maybe. And hopefully it'll help. I know a lot of people have read the book and the book has been very helpful and it's resonated for for a lot of people. So um, I hope that that that's what it can continue to do. I once battled bamboo in my backyard in uh, San Antonio, a small yard, invasive bamboo. And I discovered the only answer really is dynamite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, I was out there. I had some guys come in with huge trucks, and I was directing them. And <laughs> it's really it, it's a it, it's a terrible thing, and nobody should ever plant it as a little ornamental because it'll take over. And for those who are interested in getting a hold of Omega Farm, where do they find it? Oh well, it's available. It's published by Scribner. It's available at your local um, independent bookstore. It's available at Barnes and Noble at Amazon.com. It, it's widely available. I like that you started with your local independent bookseller. Oh yes, we that we need them very much. Now, for folks who are listening, uh, who today become a caregiver because that's how it often happens, what kind of advice would you have for them? Uh, from your own journey? Love and patience. And um, really the patience part of it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I was frustrated. I, I, I hate, I, 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 you might think I hated my mom, but I hated the illness. And it, the illness is a really hard one. It, we're speaking about dementia. There are all sorts of kinds of obviously diseases that one can care for, but dementia is a very frustrating one. And you'll say, I told you not to do that. Don't do that. And they don't understand. And, but so you can then feel, you can get into the cycle where you feel really bad about yourself, that you're not patient, but just love and patience because it's hard work. It is very, it's tedious, hard work, but, um, but it's also rewarding and there are ways in which it is rewarding and stick. I am so glad that my sisters and I 
made the decision not to put our mother in a home, which we made for various reasons that were part financial and part the fact that there are five of us um, and that I had this, uh, the ability to help her because I think we get detached from the cycle of life and I'm very caught up in the cycle of life right now. And that is a reward. I have, you know, I, my children are, all, you know, they're almost grown. One is 24 and what, but this has gone on for 12 years. My son was eight years old or, or so he was yeah, eight years old when this started, he's now 20. So he's, uh, I've been the mom to a young child, now a young adult, and also the caregiver to um, somebody who's essentially dying and very slowly. And so you really get to see the, the outer edges of life. And I appreciate that. And so that would be my recommendation is, is to be patient, but to, to also savor the experience because it is, you know, it's essential. It's part of being alive. Does your son talk about what that experience has been like for him? It's been painful because he was very close to my mother. I also have a daughter who's a little older. She's tw- she's twenty four and he's twenty, um, and she it's very she was uh, just brilliant at caregiving. Whereas my son sort of got scared of it and turned away from it. But he's grateful that he was there and he loves my mother. And when he was home at Christmas, he slept in her bedroom. Um, she had a she has this new big bed and she's in a hospital bed. And he said to me, it was it reminded him of being a child because she she used to come stay with us in our apartment in New York and she'd share his room because it's a it's a not a big apartment. So that's yeah, New York. It's New York. And I know that even if he's too young to fully get it now, someday he'll appreciate that he had this proximate relationship to her, um, not just as a wonderful grandmother, but also to her illness. And so are all of your your sisters are you and your everybody's engaged and, and has a piece of this caregiving puzzle that you're working on? Yes, I mean I've taken on a bigger role, but I but and to all degrees, um, to various degrees, every sister has. Our parents are divorced, as I said, and my stepfather died a long time ago. So my mom was um, without a spouse, um, but she has four daughters. Huh. Uh, another piece of advice to those younger people out there: have daughters, have lots of them. Huh. <laughs> I, I love that huh. advice. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh. Okay. Carol, you and your sister took on the responsibility of caregiving. Yes, yes, um, and, and shared that, and, and she was the one that was in person, and I was the long-distance one. Um, and so, you know, it, it we all can play a role if we choose to play a role. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, I was the one that, that came in so that she could go off for two weeks and take a vacation, you know, and, and that was really important for her to get that break. Yeah. So I have a sister long distance who takes care of all the financial stuff. And then she comes in too. So everybody has their role and everybody has their specific circumstance. So it's not one of these things where you measure, you know, you just, you do what you're able to do. And we're all five of us grateful for whatever that is. And I think it was Nancy Reagan who talked about the long goodbye. And I hear echoes of that in what you were saying. Yes. Definitely. It is a long, slow, slow goodbye. 
And I, I, you know, she, she's hardly able to smile, but I can still see it when she's smiling. And it's when she sees us, one of us, and you know, that, that can feed us for a while, but, um, but it, it, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a hard illness. Would you do it any other way? No, no, I wouldn't. Maybe a sister would, but I actually don't think they really truly would at the end of the day. We've, we've done the very best we can and she's been in her own home. She made that possible. We made that possible. Again, lucky that there are five of us. Um, but no, I wouldn't do it any other way. I'm I'm grateful to her for everything she gave me, and I'm glad I'm able to give it back. And how's okay. the forest? Well, thank you for asking. It is coming along. <laughs> that takes a lot of work too. And um, but that feels like you know truth work. You know, there's like nothing better that you can do than plant a tree and help it grow. And I, we just planted seven trees a few a few weeks ago um, before the, the ground froze, and we have 32 new ones to plant in end of March. And um, I'm com- committed to it for as long as we have that property. And what are the trees? Well, we planted maple because they grow fast. I have a couple of oak to plant that I that are. Huh nurturing in the yard and to transplant into the forest. And then we have 32 shad bark hickory coming. So perfect for a New Yorker to get out there and plant trees. Yeah, it's true. I think I'm a farm girl at heart. Maybe that's I like it. (laughs) And again, for those who uh, are interested, Martha McPhee has a lot of books you can read, both fiction and uh, a memoir, Omega Farm, available everywhere. And check her out at your local independent bookstore. Martha McPhee, thank you so much for joining us today. For Caregiver SOS On Air and for Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.